Shepset quickly rose from a mere royal consort to the great pharaoh of Egypt's new kingdom. And she didn't do it by being meek or obedient. She worked for her power. Work with a (laughs) W-E-R-K. She rebranded herself like a modern pop star entering a new era of her public persona. But then, after an incredible 20-year reign, Hatshepsut died and her heir wiped her name from history. We ain't down with that. So settle in as we excavate... That is definitely an archaeology pun, and I am not sorry. You shouldn't be. Oh, you like it. That's surprising. I thought you'd <laughs> hate it. Okay. I, I, yeah, I don't love puns, but I'll accept that one. Hello, and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this series has one goal, to make history fun. Because it turns out that when you take away the old words and the fancy titles, anyone who made history was probably a bit of a hot mess. This week, as part of our series on our favorite queens in history, we are discussing Hatshepsut, one of the very few women to become an Egyptian pharaoh. I don't know about you, but I was obsessed with ancient Egypt as a kid. I think a lot of kids are. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be an Egyptologist when I was younger. Listeners, if you ever played the video game Clue Finders and you like the Egyptian one, please hit me up because that video game rocked. I've never heard of this. Interesting. Oh, it's so good. They like pitch the Egyptian gods as hunky 90s cartoons. Oh, cool. Well, that reminds me of Mommy's Alive, which has the best theme song maybe of any 90s cartoon. Okay, anyway, (laughs) digressions aside, let's dive into the life of Hatshepsut. Okay, so she was maybe born in 1507 BC. Take that with like a lot of grains of salt. She was the eldest daughter of King Tutmose I and his wife, Queen Ahmes. So she was automatically entering life. I'm picturing that scene of Cleopatra on the daybed getting fed grapes. Hatshepsut was born into the royal family. She must have had a very privileged upbringing. And the royal family also, I think, understood the power of PR because they were like, okay, even being the daughter of a king and, and the queen, not even a secondary wife, the legit queen, not enough. Mm-hmm. They embellished her birth story by being like, no, actually had like a freaky three-way and the god of moon <laughs> joined us in the royal bedchamber and possessed Tutmos while we were going at it. And, and that special night resulted in Hatshepsut. <laughs> the ancients were freaky. I like it. <laughs> so Hatshepsut's dad was a very big deal. He was known for being very charming and charismatic and really being an excellent leader, he had his shit on lock. He was a great military tactician. There's a famous story of him sailing into town with the defeated general of his enemy tied to the prow of his ship. Again, this family really intersected effective leadership with great public relations. What a move. (laughs) Hatshepsut definitely inherits these qualities from her dad, but her childhood is far from peaceful. There was a lot of death back in the day. At least two of her brothers die before she's even grown. And I mean, the world always, it seems, is obsessed with, say it with me, male. Male heir, male heir, male heir. So if uh, her two older brothers die, well, that is sad. But it's also good for Hatshepsut's personal claim to power. (laughs) So her two brothers are dead. And then her dad, who I think has major ancient Egyptian dilf energy, he tragically dies when Hatshepsut is only 12. And then 
things go kind of nuts <laughs> and cultural relativism is a real thing and I don't want to be judgy. But on the other hand, <laughs> when she is 12, she gets married Ugh. and that is already bad. Mm-hmm. She also marries her half brother. Oh, oh, the Egyptians <laughs> loved that. They just loved it. I feel like my child brain when I was obsessing over ancient Egypt just really glided over that. Yeah. And, you know, in Europe, it's cousins, but they did it so much that things like the Habsburgs happened and they were just completely inbred by the end of it. So really, it ended up in the same place. Didn't King Tut die kind of because he was so inbred? It's one theory, yes, that he had some congenital Mm. issues because of that. Guys, I get that you need to, like, endogamously keep the royal blood in one place, but let's diversify, shall we? Just a little. But hey, silver lining, Hatshepsut is now a preteen queen. She's like Leo in the Titanic. She's on top of the world. Um, And her husband, ahem, it's important to specify, even though Hatshepsut was the king's legitimate daughter, She was the daughter of the official queen. Her husband is her half-brother. Her husband is the son of her dad. They share a father. But his mother is one of the king's secondary wives. So he's actually a little less legitimate. But because he's a man, Mm -hmm. he's able to run the show. And he sort of solidifies his claim to power by marrying his preteen half-sister. So they are effectively ruling together. They kind of need each other to bolster each of their claims. He's got the gender. She's got the lineage. Mm -hmm. Together, they're a perfect team. Perfect. (laughs) Aside from, you know, congenital deformities. So there are differing claims about Tutmos II, and that is the name of Hatshepsut's new hubby. Some people painted him as very wimpy and submissive. Others, and I think this is the more effective claim, They looked at statues and sculptures of him and Hatshepsut, and they're like, well, look, this depicts him as very strong, and she is depicted as submissive, sort of off to the side or behind him. So maybe they had quite a traditional marriage. Maybe she was a real ball buster. Who knows? But what's important to note is that there's a lot of this back and forth throughout Hatshepsut's story. Her story is still very much in the process of being discovered and written, For the most part, we get to know Hatshepsut from early 1900s Egyptologists like Howard Carter, the guy who unleashed King Tut's curse. These people who are like Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz in The Mummy, but they're not charming. They're pretty imperialist. They don't get my tween (laughs) myself going. And they write the historical record about Hatshepsut. And a lot of the time they're sort of like, she was a lusty, evil villain lady because she dared to take power. So just take it with a grain of salt. Did we talked about this, about how, like, the mummy is the biggest bisexual energy for me? Because you have Brendan Fraser as a really cool, hot um, adventurer, I guess. Oh, my God. And that one lock of his hair that keeps falling seductively over his perfect forehead. And then and then you have Rachel Weisz, who you're like, well, she's also hot. And she's a hot librarian. Come on. When they're together, you're just like... I don't. Which one do uh, I like? Do I identify with this? Do I like this? Like, it's so confusing. I think there's a meme about it. I'm pretty sure, right? I think the internet has acknowledged that a great way of telling if you are bisexual is if you watched The Mummy when you were coming of age and you really felt strongly drawn to both Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss, that might have been a sign. <laughs> Seems to be a unifying thread for a lot of the bi's. <laughs> <laughs> the Mummy is the official bisexual test of 1999. But I am proud 
of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. So, let's bring it back, people. Hatshepsut marries her half-brother, and then, in 1479 BC, her husband dies quite young. And since she and her husband have only had a daughter together, and sorry, girl, she's not that important, so I'm not going to bring her up a lot. (laughs) She obviously can't reign. And since Tutmos has also had a son with a secondary wife, and that son is still a baby, that son technically takes the reins. But because he's so young, Hatshepsut becomes his regent. Ah, the biggest path to female empowerment way back when. (laughs) Regency. (laughs) So she reigned as regent for her stepson, who was also named Tutmos, Tutmos III, because in Egypt, there was also only three names. (laughs) (laughs) So she reigned as his regent for seven years, like a pretty good time, and then was like... "Mm." you know what? I think I'm I'm good, Tutmos. Like, I'm good by myself. And she became the pharaoh of Egypt. Hell yeah. There was a lot of debate about this initially, because historians were like, maybe she's only ever regent. But then it was like, no, 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 no. She took over. She didn't forget Tutmos. Um, She made him a commander in her army, and he served her pretty well throughout her life. Yeah, people often are like, she totally bulldozed her son and he simmered with rage. I mean, I mean, kind of. But she also like gave him a cushy job. (laughs) She trained him to be a king. He wasn't just sitting by the sidelines stewing for 20 years. Yeah, she could have killed him. Like, she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He should be grateful. (laughs) Low bar. (laughs) And quite frankly, she was a really good ruler. She reestablished and expanded Egypt's trade routes. And she was also a hugely prolific builder, one of the most prolific builders in Egyptian history. She was really in the glory days of Egypt in that 18th dynasty. Mm -hmm. The country was doing well, and under her guidance, it continued to do well. And also, hot tip, she was a prolific builder, and one of her favorite things to build was these really elaborate statues of herself. Oh, yes. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. I just like to imagine it. I like to imagine city council meetings, and they're like, okay, what's next? What's the next building? She's like, another one of me, guys. Yeah. She's like, okay, like, guys, oh I got God. I got the new plans. Really excited about this one. Think it's going to be new, fresh, spicing it up. It's a profile of me. <laughs> it's me, but my hat, a little different. <laughs> so she's a really good ruler and also loved herself, which is a quality I admire in anyone. Mm-hmm. But you did not want to cross her. We know that she had a man in her court named Jehudi, and he did something to offend her. We don't know what, but we know just how much it displeased her. A lot. After receiving this insult, she basically blasted him off the face of the earth. She didn't just erase his name from the history records, she desecrated his tomb, and she even smeared his family legacy. So this guy, for generations on generations, had shame on his name because he did something that history does not remember. (laughs) Imagine only being known because you fucked up. That's all we know about this (laughs) man. That's all we know. (laughs) He fucked up so bad, we don't know what he did. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that 
Hatshepsut really knew what to do, and this ties right in to her building a bunch of statues of herself, was how to use her image. Like many, many pharaohs before her, she loved to disseminate propaganda. So she did stuff like she fully propagated that whole, my daddy had a threesome with a god, (laughs) and I'm like (laughs) this divine being. She said that her father named her as his heir not her her dead husband. And she also claimed that the Oracle of the God Amun endorsed her too. So you can't really argue with that. You can't really argue with dead people and uh, gods whose oracles can maybe be bribed by your immense riches. Yeah. (laughs) And the other thing that Hatshepsut did that was amazing and great for her image was like many woman rulers before her and after her, she took on a masculine identity. So she cross-dressed often, she called herself the king or a female king, and she's even sometimes depicted hermaphroditically. So very hot. Very, very hot. It's really hot. She's serving butch energy, and we love it. I'm here for it. You know what else is hot? Her love life. Love a spicy love life. Mm-hmm. Tell me all about it. Hatshepsut likely started up an affair with her chief architect, a man named Senenmut. And the way we know this is kind of incredible. So even though Senenmut was a common-born man, Hatshepsut let him inscribe his own name and story into the mortuary temple that he was building for her. So she was kind of like, you know, as a treat, I'll, I'll let you exist on in history uh, just like I will, because I'm, you know, immortal. And, oh, and here you go. And then my personal favorite sort of evidence from history is there's this ancient graffiti, which was probably done by one of Sinemet's construction workers because it was in a place where they used to hang out. And it depicts a man, probably him, boinking a pharaoh, probably Hatshepsut. So they're <laughs> They're out there on their lunch breaks gossiping about how their boss is getting it on with a pharaoh. I love it. I love it. And I love how like that's how we think this is true. <laughs> Some guy doodling. I also love the dedication. It's not like a piece of papyrus. Like he carved this into stone. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it was good enough that we know what he meant. <laughs> That guy deserves a medal. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for carrying on the gossip that I so desire. God bless this man for loving spicy drama just as much as he knew the descendants of the world would live for (laughs) it. But unfortunately, all good things come to an end, and they happen with Hatshepsut as well. Yeah. So for a very long time, no one knew how Hatshepsut died, but die she did, maybe in 1458 BC, when she was likely in her mid to late 40s, which is a pretty good age for back in the day. Not bad. So after she dies, her story really kicks into gear. One version of it goes that Tutmose III, you remember her heir, he was ready to be king. Like Simba vibes. He just couldn't wait. (laughs) Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Related wish Disney made a movie about this family. Oh, like the Prince of Egypt, but about Hatshepsut. Yeah, yeah. And respect to DreamWorks, they made that movie, and that movie is a great animated movie. Love it. Great songs in there as well. Look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. Anyway, so in this version of the story, the Third, after Hatshepsut dies, he's like, it's on. I... I'm so mad at my mean mommy 
for ruling for me. And now that she's dead, I'm going to go nuts. I'm going to deface all her statues and pictures. And he does this so effectively that he almost erases her from history entirely. Which is a lot. That's overkill, my friend. But now historians are actually questioning this sort of soap operatic version of events. There's this inconvenient detail that they ignored that he did this 20 years after his mm-hmm. mom died. And it's like, okay, well, if he was bad, what's up with the delay? Like, mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. maybe he was in 20 years of therapy and then he reached <laughs> yeah. his breakthrough moment. I don't think that's it. <laughs> and people are saying Tutmos probably wasn't angry at his stepmother. He probably had to deal with some external circumstances that popped up, and it was strategic to sandblast his mom's portraits away, which is still harsh, but much more understandable. Mm -hmm. And some people believe that the specific reason he did this was because Hatshepsut's descendants maybe were starting to think about claiming the throne for themselves, Mm -hmm. and he thought, if I blast her away, I can clarify that actually I'm the ruler, and my descendant is going to take the reins when I kick the bucket. Yeah. Hatshepsut? I don't know her. So Hatshepsut is dead and gone. And she has not one, not two, but three tombs in the Valley of Kings. She really set up that cushy afterlife for herself. And there's this whole other beyond the grave act of her story about discovering her tomb and her mm-hmm. body and all this. And I, I mean, Egyptology is fucked and colonial as, as all hell. But man, the aesthetics. I love this era in history. The thrill <laughs> the of discovery. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so when Hatshepsut's tomb was discovered by Howard Carter, no less, the guy who unleashed King Tut's curse, never forget, he discovers, mm-hmm. oh my God, I found Hatshepsut's tomb, but there's no body in here. But... Back in the day, about 20 years before, archaeologists had discovered a box that literally had Hatshepsut's name on it, which to me sounds like archaeological cheating, but sure. (laughs) And all the box contained was an embalmed liver, an embalmed stomach, and one single tooth. And then they find another tomb with two female bodies, and they're like, okay, we think this might be Hatshepsut and maybe her lady-in-waiting or her maid. And then flash forward to 2007, archaeologists and scientists use new tools and technology to take a closer look at these two bodies. And they discover that one of the women is missing a single tooth. Oh, mystery solved. That's amazing. That's It's so satisfying. It's satisfying, baby. so satisfying. Wow. Oh, oh, and, and there's more. So the tooth and the liver and all that stuff, that actually also helped solve another mystery. How did Hatshepsut die? So people studied her remains, and they learned that she had diabetes and bone cancer. Not a good way to go. And get this, we also have a pretty good working hypothesis about why she got bone cancer. People believe that Hatshepsut had some kind of skin disease, which she treated with lotion, which unfortunately turned out to be carcinogenic. Oh, come on now. She was just trying to be hot. Let her be hot. But no. <laughs> yeah, let her be hot, fate. Also, guys, there's lots of chemicals in modern beauty products. Uh, look it up. Be safe. This is true, too. And that's the story of Hatshepsut. She was a great queen. She had a dramatic life. And we just know, like, an, the tip of the iceberg of it. Like, I also love, when it comes to Hatshepsut, this idea of imagining what else there was, how else we can, like, fill in her life, just based on these bomb-ass details we already know. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about Hat Shepsa, you can check out our article on her. The link is in the show notes. We also added some extra sources too. Please leave us a review on the iTunes store and tell your friends about the pod. We'll be back next week with another iconic queen to tell you about. But until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was a damn soap opera. Yes, it was. <laughs>